Pastor Xavier Reese explains the difference between action and reaction. Charles Spurgeon said, You cannot make a sinner into a saint by killing him. He who does not live as a saint here will never live as a saint hereafter. What a mistake people make today thinking because they go to church they're going to be in heaven. If you're not a saint here, you ain't going to be one there. It's just that simple. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Crime, murder, abortion, same-sex marriage. Well, as devastating as these issues are, there's an even more dangerous issue plaguing mankind. Today, as he continues his new series from the Epistle of Colossians, Pastor Xavier examines the important issues of living a life that rightly reflects the Word of God and not the world. Let's join him for today's Bible study, A Loving Shepherd. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. The epistle to the Colossians is an incredible letter. We get things here about Jesus Christ that we get nowhere else. And so for our study, what we want to do is look at the salutation, the greeting of Paul to the Colossians, which follows the usual pattern of letter writing. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brethren, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the city of Colossae was a Phrygian city. Today, it is modern-day Turkey, western Turkey, about 100 uh, miles from Ephesus. Uh, The Lycus River's southern bank was the home of the city of Colossae, and straddled a tributary called the Little Meander. The city stood in a strategic place on the important highway from Ephesus, the trade route to the east occupying the paths led through the Cadmus range to the east. So a lot of commerce, a lot of people. Notice that Paul always preached from a point of cities where people came in. Why? Because as they came in, they heard, and they left, and they took the gospel. What do you do when you have an ant problem? You get poison, and then that one takes it back to the nest and kills the queen. You take the gospel that takes it to people, and they live. Laodicea was located about 11 miles down Lycus on the hill and was a thriving center and very popular, the chief city of the district and capital of one of the departments into which the province of Asia was divided or developed for administrative and tax purposes. Laodicea had great wealth and importance in terms of banking and political center, evident by the extensive ruins today. Now, we remember the Lord condemns Laodicea in Revelations 3, 14 through 22 when we study the seven churches. What do you say about her? He says... You are blind, naked, and destitute. Why? Because you said, I am strong, I am wealthy, I am in need of nothing. Interesting. And he says, you're lukewarm. And I'll spit you out of my mouth. When we visited the seven churches and we did the tour back in the 80s, um, we went to Laodicea. And when, when I got up in the morning to shower in Laodicea, the water was lukewarm. So it's still applicable today. There's a lot of volcanic activity there, and by the time it got there, it's kind of lukewarm. The church, as well as 
at Colossae as well as Laodicea and Hierapolis, which is the third city, without any doubt, as I said, probably were the offshoot of Paul's ministry at Ephesus in Acts chapter 19 and 20. Um, he had only heard of their faith, as he tells in chapter 1, verse 4, 9, and 2, 1. His commission and communication had been through Epaphras. Uh, here, chapter 1, verse 7, who was called a servant and a minister on their behalf. It's a matter of fact, Acts 19, 10 says this. All they that dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jew and Greek. That's quite a statement. That's from his Ephesian ministry. These have to be included. The city by Paul's day was looking already to its past glory. As a matter of fact, just a few years after the epistle, the city was destroyed completely by an earthquake. That whole region was known for earthquakes. Charles Spurgeon said, You cannot make a sinner into a saint by killing him. He who does not live as a saint here will never live as a saint hereafter. What a mistake people make today, thinking because they go to church, they're going to be in heaven. Because they sit under a prosperous ministry that they'll be in heaven. When you walk into your garage, you don't turn into a car. When a rat's in a cookie jar, it doesn't make them a cookie. When you walked in this church this morning, you didn't turn into a Bible. Saints and ain'ts. If you're not a saint here... You ain't going to be one there. It's just that simple. Remember the prodigal son. There were two, not one. One went out to the world and was lost and he was found. The other was always lost and remained lost in the father's house. Let me propose to you that the most dangerous people who are lost are within the church of Jesus Christ. And not in the world. Each of us need to recognize our position as saints. We are set apart for the master's use. Our body is not our own. We've been bought with a price. The third person of the Trinity dwells within us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says. He's the potter. We're the clay. We are God's workmanship in Christ Jesus, created unto good works, prepared beforehand that we might walk in them, Ephesians 2, 10 says. No one knows what you are to do except for God. So don't ask anybody. You have to go to God as you're growing, as you're developing in Christ and the Word, and say, Lord, what are my gifts? What do you want me to do? What have you called me for? And then do it. Don't compare yourself by yourself or among yourself lest you end up being foolish. Be what God wants you to be and do it. If you're a foot, walk. If you're an eye, see. If you're an ear, hear. That's the body of Jesus Christ. Each of us need to understand that our brotherhood is not a brotherhood of some elitism or group, but all who have believed in Jesus Christ regardless of their past. I've told you often that if you accept Jesus Christ and you are a walking billboard of tattoos and you have more gadgets zipped up from head to toe with piercing and everything else and you repent, I can handle you with all that. I don't have any problem with you. But if you're a Christian and go do all that after you're in Christ, then we're going to have some problems. I don't have any problem with your past. My problem is with your present (laughs) and with God. God forbid that we should respect people by their looks as 
as James warns us in James 2.1. God forbid that we should favor those for their wealth, as James warns us in James 2.2. God will write Ichabod over this church, and that is my prayer. If we ever look to anything but faith in Jesus Christ for the brotherhood and the bond of this church. Each of us here in Pasadena should be wholeheartedly wanting to live up to who we are in Christ. To be the salt of the community, Matthew 5.13. To be the light of the world in Matthew 5.14-16, through 16, that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven when they see it. To be used of God to reach out with the gospel and to warn those about their lost condition and the deceptive teachers and prophets of today, Matthew 7.15, ravenous wolves. Why do we get so upset when names are named and heresies are pointed out? You don't have to learn all the lies. Just learn the truth and you'll be able to expose the lie. When they train cashiers at bank, they don't have, gather all the phony bills and have them study them. They just give them the real stuff. And when the phony stuff comes by, they discern it. You don't have to learn Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, and all the isms and everything else. Just learn the truth. And when the false comes by, you'll say, false. No good. Because you're grounded and rooted in Christ. Not in a pastor, not in a church, in Christ Jesus. Paul, addressing the recipients, identifies his love for the Corinthians. His love. Saints, brethren. Now notice thirdly, the regards is twofold, but as he identifies a source, it makes it three like the others. Notice first, Paul greets them with the constant supply of God. I like that. The constant supply of God. He says grace to you, which was a common Greek greeting, having the idea of beauty and favor, unmerited favor. We are saved by grace, Ephesians 2.8. We stand by God's grace in Romans 5.2. We, give, we are given gifts according to God's grace in Romans 12.6. God's grace is sufficient for all things, he tells Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Three times Paul sought him for his thorn in the flesh, and God says, Paul, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. I have to be careful that my strength is in Christ and not in myself, lest I end up falling. Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. The gospel is called the gospel of grace in Acts 20, 24. The gospel is opposed to any idea of works to merit salvation before God, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. The gospel was based on the work of Christ for all the Gentiles to come into the kingdom. A mystery hidden in the past, but mystery now revealed among the Gentiles, Christ in them, the hope of glory. Colossians 1, 26, and 27. We are to do many things in relationship to grace as Christians. We are to abound in grace, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. We are to be strong in grace, 2 Timothy 2, 1. We are to grow in grace, 2 Peter 3, 18. We are to speak with grace, Ephesians 4, 29. We are to commend men and women to God's grace and his word in Acts 20. 32. The reason being is because it is all abundant and all sufficient, as Romans 5, 1 and 2 and 2 Corinthians 2, 9 says. Grace is immutable. 
It doesn't increase or decrease. You go down to the Pacific Ocean and you take a little thimble that you sow with. And you take a little bit of the Pacific Ocean, you just diminished it. You take all the sinners that have ever repented from the day one. And all that will repent till Christ returns. You haven't affected grace at all. Where sin abounds, much more does grace abound. Will that give us a license to sin? God forbid. Perish the thought. How should we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? Let me tell you, your driver's license doesn't give you the right to drive like an idiot. It just gives a lot of idiots a right to drive. <laughs> and you go out there doing whatever you want, you're going to get some tickets. The Apostle Paul wanted the Colossians to understand the magnitude of the grace of God. And so us. Notice, secondly, that Paul greets them with the confident rest in God. He joins the Greek greeting with the Hebrew greeting, shalom, peace. In the Greek, the word peace indicates an antithesis to war resulting from the sensation of war, the ceasing of war. The word peace in the Greek, we get our name Irene from it. It means to join something that was previously fractured or broken. And that is really what has taken place between you and God, I and God. God was at war with me. I was at war with God. I repented. Peace came between us. And now the peace of God is available to me. But there's no more war between I and God. We've been brought back together. The Greek word is used to translate the Hebrew word shalom. 250 times in the Old Testament, the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Hebrew. The only thing is that in the Hebrew greeting shalom, it communicates a wholeness and soundness to all of life, including prosperity and contentment and good relationships. And that's not so much the communication in the Greek, though it does mean a bringing back of that which is broken. So they complement one another. Paul uses the word peace in the greeting to describe the benefit of the Colossians that they have believing and continuing to believe in Christ Jesus. It's an ongoing benefit. No more war, but we have the peace of God for our lives, for the situations. Having made peace with God through repentance, by grace through faith, now they had the peace of God available to them for every situation. This situation was one that they didn't have to freak out. They had to think clearly. They had to just trust God as wisdom and deal with it. If we don't, we take matters into our hands and we say, we do, and we act in a way that is not becoming to who we're supposed to be. So I have to rest in God, seek him for that. It is available to all the saints, which is beyond understanding. It keeps our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 has told us. Peace is always, by the way, the result of grace. You'll never find peace before grace in the New Testament. It's always a result of grace. It is the confidence that rests in total dependency on the grace of God to meet the need and to accomplish the work. Paul, in fact, calls the gospel of Jesus Christ the gospel of peace in Ephesians 2, 17, 6, 15, and Acts 10, 36. The gospel of peace, the gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ is the mediator of this peace. 
Christ himself is the very peace. Now notice, thirdly, Paul greets them by pointing out the clear source to be the Father and the agent, Jesus Christ. Not one of the aeons, not one of the emanations, but from our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So from the beginning, he just cuts the false teaching out. Right now, from the very first two verses, he wipes them out. He exposes them. The apostle once again makes himself one with the common identity by the word our. Our. He is not superior to them, but like them and one with them. What did Daniel say when he conveys this? We have sinned. That is so incredible, Daniel. Because Daniel is exalted as one of the men who had favor with God for intercession. He purposed not to defile himself with the king's meat, and yet when it comes to his old age and he's interceding for Israel to seek God's mind, he says, we have sinned. Whoa. Never lose sight of your past. Always remember where you came from. And if you look, you don't have to look too hard. You'll find out you still haven't arrived. You still fall short. If you think you don't fall short, just give me 30 seconds with you. <laughs> None of us have arrived. The phrase, Lord Jesus Christ, is not accepted by some. Some of your translations may have that footnote and declare that it's not in one of the best manuscripts, which is considered to be one of the best. But the fact that Jesus is plainly the basis of our peace on the cross, the source of our peace through the cross, and the anointed of God, the Lord of all throughout this letter, is sufficient to accept it without any fear. It doesn't damage the text. It doesn't do violence to the text. It does not take away from the text. So leave it alone. The Apostle Paul wanted the Colossians to comprehend more fully the nature and experience of God's peace. And what? In their relationship to him. Look at 3.15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. What is the, one of the great manifestations and evidence of peace in your life? You are thankful. You, Lord, you're so good. David says, Lord, who am I? Thankful. The peace of God. Things are falling apart. And people say, what's the matter? Why don't you do something? He says, oh, Lord's so good. What do you mean, Lord's so good? He's so good. Now, don't get me wrong. Our flesh still goes through the thing, but we bring our thoughts into captivity, into obedience to Christ, and we trust him. My flesh wants to freak out, but I trust my spirit to take control of my life in obedience to God's word and let him live through me. Crucify the Christ over and over and over again. John Bunyan Refused to give up preaching. They put him in prison and said this, Mr. Bunyan, you can come out of prison whenever you will promise to cease preaching the gospel. He said, if you let me out of prison today, I will preach again tomorrow by the grace of God. Well, they said, then you must go back to prison. He answered, I will go back and stay there if need be till the moss grows on my eyelids, but I will never deny my master. God's grace, God's peace was sufficient to superabound John Bunyan, even to the point of writing Pilgrim's Progress, a book that is read second to the Bible by all Christians and has probably affected more lives than any other. 
God's grace and God's peace is sufficient for your life, what you're going through. The tendency is for us to say, well, you don't understand my situation. No, I do. You're not the exception. And trust me, there's people worse off than you. You need to grab a hold of God's grace. Are you living in God's grace regarding your past life and your present life? If you are living under God's grace, then you, you do not allow Satan to condemn you or anyone else for your past. If, in fact, you have repented and your life has changed, a new creature, 2 Corinthians 5.17, all things pass away, everything becomes new. If you are living under God's grace, then you won't be condemning others, but being more like your God without being permissive and compromising. Even as he says in chapter 3, verse 12, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing with one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, listen, so you also must do a command. An obligation, not an option. Are you experiencing the peace of God in your life daily? If you are, then you are very familiar with the reality of life and how they are ever-present to take away your peace. God will never allow us to be tested more than we're able, but with every testing shows the way of escape, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says. I love that verse. And then other times I hate it because I have no excuse for my failure. If you are, then you know how often you are tempted to take hold of the control with your own hands rather than wait and rest in God to see how he's going to work. We have to take his yoke upon us and learn of him. It's easy. Light. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. I get an opportunity every day, over and over and over again. Are you as a Christian trusting humanistic methods of, rec of counseling, psychology, or new age methods for your peace of life? Your legs folded over and boom. Positive thinking. It's in you. If you are trusting these humanistic methods, then stop it. Repent. The first step is repentance. John 2.1. 1 John 2.1. My little children, I write these things unto you that you do not practice sin, but if you stumble, you have an advocate, the lawyer for the defense, Jesus Christ the righteous. The second step is to call upon him and trust him for your life situation. Proverbs 3, 3 through 5 says, lean not to your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. The third step is to learn God's word and apply it to your life so that you walk in the spirit and you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh according to Galatians 5, 16. That's a choice, people. You cannot blame anybody for your sin, not your wife, not your husband, not your kids, not your dog, nobody. You are a free moral agent as a Christian. And you will have more opportunities than you and I can shake a stick at to demonstrate that we are saints rather than ain'ts. Paul, in his regards, identifies his care for the Colossians. And so, having looked at the salutation and the greeting of Paul to the Colossians, after the usual pattern of letter writing, he identifies these three things. Paul, as the writer, identifies his authority to the Colossians. Paul, addressing the recipients, identifies his love for the Colossians. And Paul, in his regards, identifies his care for the Colossians. 
from the beginning, he starts tearing down the heresy. He doesn't wait. And neither should we when we confront false doctrine. Pastor Xavier Reese and confronting a lie with the ultimate power of truth, a truth only found in Jesus Christ. Now, today's message, A Loving Shepherd, is available on CD for just $4. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is A Loving Shepherd, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Do you want your prayers to count? Learn the secret to intercession when you tune into the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Don't miss it. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 